COVID was going down, like the height of it, you know, everybody was losing their minds. And, and we finally being in the mastermind with him and, you know, we all kind of asked and he finally, he just acted like it was everyday business to him. And I remembered, his, you know, saying, you know what, because we finally cornered, he, he brought it up. He's like, you know what, in good times, I do my best to be useful in bad times. I really try to be useful. The Move Entrepreneur Evolved Podcast. Get on it. All right, we're back with Moved Entrepreneur Evolved Podcast. Today, we have a new episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Moved30.com, a transformational program for entrepreneurs. I am excited to have Tony Teagarden. What's up, brother? What's up? Glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, man. I'm glad to have you on. I'm glad to have you on. I'll tell you that um, when I kind of started, I started kind of looking through your stuff. We had sent some audio kind of back and forth. I was like, oh man, I don't, I don't see much on it. You had a thing where it says, you know, lead with what you believe. And I'm like, all right, how do I set this thing up? And then I found that you had a page and all of the coaching that you've done. And I got to tell you, um, and one of the things that I talk about move is just consistency. I got to tell you, bro, I don't know if Many people get to tell you again, have you, you know, created success, but bro, you are consistent as F. (laughs) (laughs) Looking back, I'm going to tell you, what do you think the day of your first episode of your first podcast was? Oh, geez. Yeah, that's a great question because I do not know. It's been a long time. Uh, Yeah, good question. 20, I, I have no idea. I think it was like 2015, 14, maybe, I don't know, 16. Bro, I got your number, brother. I got your number. It was April 12th of 2013. You did your first podcast. Wow. Uh, Going through you and and seeing this, you're a true coach. Um, I noticed through this entire thing that you've been consistent through that. So what I'm interested in, because you got into coaching, it looks like you did your first podcast 2013. Mm -hmm. Your page's first was actually 2009. So you've been consistent. So let's just start this thing off. Yeah, dude. What got you into coaching, man? Such a funny story. Um, I don't think I've shared this. So I know you like firsts on your podcast because I did a little research on you too. <laughs> so um, game on. Yeah. There you go. So yeah, gosh, this was, um, you know, I came out of, I, I sold legal insurance for, for a decade. Um, so I've been home-based doing that for like 10 years. And, you know, I, I come out of that one day, I was, I was making great money and everything, but my sales manager at the time and he'd ask me to do something. I'm like, dude, I'm too cute for jail. I can't do that. So I ended up quitting the industry. Um, you know, <laughs> and do some and, guys just know that there's like a saying. I'm, yeah. I'm yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but I, I went to the, well, that was from, uh, I, let me back up. That was the, uh, that was the mobile home industry. Then going into the legal industry, coming out of the legal industry or the, the, uh, legal insurance industry, I was doing really well. I was working from home, was having a lot of fun, but then, you know, just something I, I'll put it this way is a good, good way to frame it. Whenever you have a nine to five, I feel like, because I've had one, but like the last one I had when I was like 20, um, it was like a fishbowl, right? Not, and I like a lot of room. So then, you know, I got into being self-employed, which was then um, uh, more of like being in a huge fish tank, which was cool. But then like, you know, because my line of business, they could yank it at any point in time. So it wasn't really mine, right? And so I kind of felt it. like I was, I was banging up against this, you know, this, this, uh, uh, this fish tank. Well, then I realized there's this whole ocean of opportunity called entrepreneurialism, right? And so what happened was a buddy of mine was like, dude, you should start blogging. You're so good at like personal development and writing and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, 
the hell is blogging? Mm-hmm. And so that was uh 20 or excuse me, that was, um, oh gosh, that was 2006. I was about to say, yeah, I think you and I will go back kind of some of the same times. Um, mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to hear some of these stories. So, oh, six, yeah. I mean, that's your, so, your blogging. I mean, you're, we're just WordPress and um, that was type pad actually that I hit. Type, yeah. I was going to say that. Yeah. Yeah. The type pad and WordPress, WordPress was just coming out. Yeah. Nine or so, oh, seven, eight. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Google, but that was all tied to blogging. There was no such thing. Har- as yeah. A totally. Website. Yeah. So he tells me, he's like, dude, you should start doing this thing blogging. And, and, um, and so I was like, okay, cool. So I, I started and I, t- I started on type pad and it was so bad. Like my first, probably like three months, I typed everything bold and italic everything. Like it blo- we know how ridiculous that is. I didn't know what the why, hell I was doing. Why do you think, what do you think it was back then that you were like, this is what I think people need to see. Do you think it was that you felt you needed to scream? Yes. Because there was so much of me pent up that I wanted to get out and I didn't realize wow. it, right? Crazy. So um, so what happens is I start to learn, and by the way, I'm still doing the legal insurance business on the side, but now I've kind of directed my focus on this because I'm getting renewals coming in and stuff. And so I'm focusing on it. Well, come to find out, you know, I start to learn how to, you know, set up my own site. 2008, TonyTGarden.com went up um, and, you know, I learned how to do all that myself. And so I had a lot, of, I was going to be a life coach funny enough. And so being, you know, was that a term that was being run around in 2008? Not really. No, but you know, I, I mean, there was a slight small amount of it, but I just knew that that's, I wanted to work with people in in that capacity. I have a deep propensity to like, want to work with people like on a very personal level, like very deep level. And so that's what I was going to do. But then all my life coaching friends were like, Oh my God, your site looks so amazing. And and you're so busy and you've always got clients and like, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just figuring stuff out. Right. And so I start helping them for free, which I figured out down the road was a pretty bad business model. So I stopped doing that. Um, I started charging it, like setting up WordPress sites and stuff. I was like, you don't pay very much taxes. No, you don't, (laughs) but I don't mind that problem. (laughs) So I ended up setting up the websites and I set up and, and, but the thing was, is I was going through a lot of like direct response marketing I was learning at the time. And so I started like, I went from like doing setup WordPress Walker. Yeah. Oh yeah. Evan Pagan, all that, you know, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I was deep into, we just Evan, had Jason so. Moffat on. Oh, did you really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Of course. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Remember him of course with, uh, with Kern and all those Frank crazy Kern, launches. Yeah. Very um, cool. so yeah, I ended up, uh, you know, literally, um, figuring it all out. And, and I went from charging like zero to not very, pretty short order of time. I was charging five grand, but I wasn't charging for websites and that's what everybody thought that they wanted. And so I, what I told them was like, you know, I'm going to build you a lead machine. So it's not enough just to have a presence. It's kind of like having a boat in the middle of the water. If it's got no engine or does has no sail, it's not going to go anywhere. And they understood that analogy. So um, I was like, but, you know, if we can have, you know, set this in a place where there's wind, uh, set up a turbine on it or whatever, like you can get leads to it. And so I was charging five grand for WordPress sites back when people were struggling to pay, you know, charge 500 to a thousand. Yeah. And, but it was because of that. And I also learned a lot about branding and positioning. A lot of my life coaches, I would say they'd come to me and I'd say, well, the first thing we're going to do is not call you a life coach anymore. Um, because that's just, because it was starting to kind of become, you know, known at that time. And there was no differentiator. So I would take someone like uh, like Bree, a good friend of mine, Bree at the time. She uh, she went from being a transformyourlife.tv, that was her website, to um, to uh, the midlife crisis women's coach. And so one of the things I was doing, I was really deep into SEO back then as well and, and kind of mixing that into the marketing. So I did some research. Uh, that industry for- changed a lot, didn't it? 
so bad yeah like i mean so bad but so much right like it's yeah, just... i mean i mean we used to do like reciprocal linking you remember all that oh yeah yeah oh, i remember absolutely. uh we used to buy uh links on espn.com we it you know it'd be like i gotta get a college email <laughs> just like so oh yeah many... yeah yeah remember I that if you had a uh, if you had a um not an org if you had a college if you had a college uh, oh, yeah that was money. email then you had yeah. that sending traffic Yep. then your ranking would be like through the roof. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. We, we, we never did any of that funny stuff on our side. <laughs> I did. Right. I did for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I totally did. <laughs> Link wheel. Anybody? <laughs> oh God. Did we, did we for yeah. sure? Did. Yeah. For Black sure Hat did. World. Anyways, I, I just thought registered. you'd kick out of that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was not registered on Black Hat World at all. I, swear. <laughs> I wasn't registered, but I did some shit. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah, I mean, I just to, to cut the short, the, the story short there, you know, I just yeah. really learned a lot of going through that process and, and, and really getting to the heart of what was effective, you know, for people. And so I remember Brie, like, you know, I said, hey, listen, transform your life. I'm like, if I cut off your legs, I transform your life. She's like, yeah, Tony, but you know, that's not what I mean. I'm like, no, I know, but it's left up to interpretation. So I ended up going to the Google keyword search uh, tool and started and started looking and found that midlife crisis women, that term, the exact phrase was searched 26,000 times a month. It also was obviously a very pain, a pain, a present pain, you know, that people were trying to figure out and solve, which I was like, okay, bam. So we ended up buying the exact phrase domain, um, midlifecrisiswomen.org. And I got .com too, but I did .org on purpose. And so um, just because it seemed like it was it much was more like servant yeah. friendly mm -hmm. and, and mm -hmm. less, you know, mm -hmm. uh, pushy. Yeah. And so, yeah, I ended up doing like lead magnets and like within a short order period of time, man, she was having, we had it set up because back then I was into doing applications to phone. And so she was just getting slammed with stuff and it was so on point. Like we had dudes that would show up to the website and be like, I think this is what my wife is going through. Can you help her? you know and of course i'd have to teach her to respond back well we have to want your wife has to want the help <laughs> you know let's rephrase this i see the problem with my wife can you fix her yeah, she doesn't exactly. see a problem <laughs> yeah 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 that's going to be a tough one to, to, to flip around her brother <laughs> so yeah that was the short story that's how i started getting into online marketing and just digging in and figuring out my chops along the way and through and kind of through that process, one thing I did notice is as I went back, some of the stuff that, you know, because I try to do a little homework in there, mm -hmm. you had some really cool stuff. And I think that um, some of the things that you had brought up, it was there was a post actually back in 2015. And he was like, someone going to someone's going to disagree with me, um, uh, but I don't care. OK, so gorging on data and information doesn't constitute a, as self-help. It only serves one to be uh, constipated with knowledge and eventually leads to overwhelm and inaction. I'm sure my coaching friends would agree. There's an uh, epidemic in the world where people are gorging themselves with data information buffet with the intention of getting a desired result. And I look back at some of these things that we talk about because Facebook allows us to kind of go back and think, what is that, even in that phrase that you had talked about back then, how does that apply even today? Well, it's funny. My philosophy has shifted quite a bit, um, but I do believe that, you know, listen, there. Einstein, I was just reading this um, the other night, like Einstein talking about that imagination is more powerful than knowledge, right? Within context, of course, um, that there's so much knowledge or so much data, but without context, without reason, without purpose um, to apply that, like your attention's all over the place. You're like a pancake, right? And so, you know, when looking at how much 
people think that knowledge and information, of course, I mean, it's taught to us, right? It's, in, it's impregnated in us as we grow up through, you know, you know, going through college, I never went to college, but going through high school and going through college, like remembering data, remembering this information, that's not real learning. Um, probably one of my biggest breakthroughs, and especially probably a couple of years before that even, which led to that, that me uh, writing that, um, Wyatt Woodsmall, you know, I loved his, his uh, he's one of the foremost behavioral specialists, um, Evan Pagan was partnered with him quite a bit. And he would say, you know, learning can be gauged by behavior change. If your behavior doesn't change, no learning has really occurred on the accumulation of knowledge and information. And I always thought that was, inf- I thought that was powerful because if I look at my life over time, what really leads to joy and fulfillment for me, but it's actually having experience, mm-hmm. right? And experience, depending on the lens you want to look at it through, it could suck, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. or it could be like, attach or assign no meaning to it whatsoever. And so allows me to lean into it. So I think, you know, with, with like, I've gone through a lot of shifts since 2015, um, especially just in my philosophy and and the way that I view myself and the world and how it operates. Um, I I just know that so many people are looking for something outside of themselves, data, information, um, relationships, whatever it is, there's so many people out there looking for something outside of themselves rather than looking for the satisfaction excuse me, of what comes within and really deepening that part of ourselves and deepening that journey and deepening that conversation. So I think that, um, that conversation is super important. And I think that that's people talk about entrepreneurship is really a journey through yourself. (laughs) You know, it's like, I have to conquer this to get to the next level. I have to accept this as reality to get to the next level, Mm -hmm. release my ego, get to the next level. Um, and knows do you do much traveling? I did. I haven't since the the great C word, but you know, um, I mean, I've done a little bit. I just got back from South Carolina, but I mean, I, I like to travel, but I haven't done a whole bunch. I hadn't done. I noticed that you'd done Tulum. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? That was in 2017. That was my uh, my. I, you know, she's like my soul sister, Katerina Satori. Um, matter of fact, definitely have her on here. She'd be a blast. Um, but yeah, that was that was a life changer. That was a game changer. So. That actually led me to moving to, to uh, uh, Laguna Beach, California, inevitably. But um, it was funny. I came out of a relationship in 2016. Um, it was the end of 2016 where I was still kind of had my finger up my butt trying to figure out who I was, you know, just, you know, kind of reinventing myself after all that ordeal. And um, I ended up going out to California with the same guy who um, uh, who got me into the blogging piece of it back in that old day. And um he was like, dude, I'm going out to California. I know you've been thinking about moving out there. Once you get out of the house, quit, you know, being a bum and, you know, come out there and hang out with me. And then, um, I'm going to hang out with a friend of mine, Alex. And, um, you know, we're just kind of do our thing, but you just chill and do your own stuff. I ended up, I spent the week there I ended up doing the very last like Saturday and Sunday. Um, uh, our friend Alex had asked me like to come out and I was like, okay, I didn't want to do any marketing stuff, but they were having an event. So I go ended up meeting Katarina Satori. Um, at the time I was anti pretty girl. I was like, if they were pretty stay away. Right. And she tells me, I remember we were in the cafeteria. She says, Tony, come over here. I'd like to talk to you. <laughs> you know, just right. And I'm like, going, Oh damn, she wants to talk to me. <laughs> so anyway, but it was fantastic. We hit it off immediately. And then as soon as I got back to, to Florida, um, she reached out to me, said, Hey, I, on my heart, I just, I feel like this is meant for you to attend. Went to Tulum and it was a game changer. It ended up like four or five, about five days out there. Um, just beautiful. She ran the retreat. Fantastic. There was a lot of uh, free time for me to reflect and write, but yet we went and did the Mayan ruins and 
you know, um, a cenote, which, you know, underwater lake and all that. Yeah. Just a really great, it was a great experience. Again, because this goes back to some of my shifts. Um, I had so many experiences there and new relationships that I connected with and things that challenged the way that I saw the world. And it wasn't long after that. I think it was just a couple months later. I was like, yeah, I said, I'm, I'm moving to California. And I did. So it was a catalyst for me, but I loved to. Yeah. And the reason I kind of brought it up is because like, there's this thing of uh, entrepreneurs in the internet space that mm-hmm. there's like this, like, I don't, I don't know what it is. It's almost like this fantasy land <laughs> that people want to go to and they want to mm-hmm. experience. I, I've never been, I've been to some things like that, um, mm-hmm. but I've, 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 I haven't been. So I've always kind of wondered if it was like, you know, worth going or if it's kind of a, I mean, just hadn't had yeah. that experience, you know? Yeah. Especially the, 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 uh, the resort that we stayed was like big tree houses, but they were obviously really nice and they were up in the trees and it was very ethereal and, um, right on the beach, we'd wake up, meditate and have the sunrise right there. I mean, it was, I mean, yeah, those are moments I'll, I'll always cherish for sure. That's cool. And you're a photographer as well. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, I say I, I'm a, what do they call it? Um, you're a golfer as a photographer. You're, you're yeah, good, something like that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I, um, I've been, I, I do a lot of amateur. I call it amateur. I've got a Canon T5i, but I use my iPhone now that I've got the 13 Pro Max, um, and I got like the terabyte because I do so much video now. So I do reels. Um, and Instagram is where I do all my stuff over there. So Instagram, dot um, forward slash Tony T Garden, and that's where I do a lot of that stuff. And I just dude i love that stuff i'm an art artist you know being a musician growing up and i was i was i gonna ask you i was like did that yeah did that cone because it's kind of funny you say that because uh i took photography in high school and mm. then i think i took a college class i think i did um yeah. and then i ended up playing guitar as well like so it was kind of yeah like, yeah <laughs> well i was originally a classically trained violinist for about eight about seven and a half years um as a kid and then transitioned into guitar found heavy metal and um, just went completely off the rails with all of that, had a great time. But I was always very expressive, very creative. Um, it wasn't until after I come out of, um, when I got back off a tour, I was in a, a death metal band. I toured Europe, had my 21st birthday in Poland, played in front of like 10,000 people. I was the screamer, not the singer. Um, Actually, I was about to say, I was like, so you're not who you are right now? No, <laughs> not at all. Hair, hair, super long. Yeah, completely. Where death metal comes with the whole persona, you know that, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, but I was always very creative, very expressive. And there's that artistic side of me. And so I still love doing that stuff. So, you know, definitely, um, you know, like the amateur stuff, uh, f- you know, photography, videography. And I think that also started in high school. I took uh, like, actually, I squeezed four years of TV production into three years. And so I learned a lot about the rule of thirds and how to shoot video and edit and all Got that it. kind of stuff. So, yeah, it was really helpful. One of the things I think that entrepreneurs run into and business owners and either coaches and experts and things like that is like when to stop um, in, in kind of pursuing something and kind of taking this as an angle, maybe you can put it as a different way, but you ended up having to stop the blog, right? You ended up stopping the blog. What was one of the reasons that you stopped that? And maybe what was a transition that you said, okay, I got to make the decision and then stop something? Because I think a lot of people are afraid to stop because they think that they're like on the cusp and then sometimes they are. <laughs> Yeah, that's a great question. It's a lot like UFC fighters, you know, like I'm a big, huge UFC fan. And so it's like, you know, what keeps, you know, what has somebody like a George St. Pierre who went out on the top, who knew when to say stop. And someone like a BJ Penn, who's an absolute legend who went out and couldn't say, couldn't say when to go out and just kept getting knocked out or Chuck Liddell who kept getting knocked out. You know, it's like, um, fortunately, you know, or, well, I mean, similarly, you know, if we don't make those decisions for ourselves, they're made for us. And, 
you know, there's some, there's a natural consequence to that, right? You know, if we don't, um, there's natural consequence to either side. But um, for me, what happened was growth, you know, like, um, I, I really do believe there's this, the, you know, a lot why, why people do anything is around identity, you know, both identity and reputation. So a lot of times, like my, my, I felt there was times I could have stopped the blog sooner, but I felt like my reputation of being seen as doing rather than being right. So if I'm not doing this, mm -hmm. then people are going to, um, you know, then make a judgment about me, which is now I'm going to affect my identity because I'm not going to feel good about myself. Wow. I'll, that's I'll, really important. Yeah. That's yeah. Good. So there's identity and reputation. And so my, my identity was wrapped up in the reputation that I was getting the attention from the blogging. Um, and I was making sales, I actually ended up creating a program called the high ticket blogging formula. And I did, you know, did really great money with that and had a lot of great clients, people that are still friends from that. But yeah, it, it eventually became to the point where I started to divorce my identity and my energy and my time mm -hmm. that was invested in my results. So the minute I, div I divorced my time from my, from my money and my results, um, things started to change. I realized I don't have to blog like, what was I really after? I wanted to make impact. I really wanted to serve people. I wanted to work with people at a deep level. And so for me, um, now kind of fast forward to what my main business is, my, my agency and what I do um, there, it's, it's divorced a lot from my identity. I don't have to use my Tony T. Garden brand so much. Um, Got it. From that standpoint. And so the blog kind of like my, my Tony T. Garden.com, y'all can go there, but I ain't done squat with it since probably yeah. 2017. You know, I just kind of like walked away. Um, I'll do some stuff with it. I'll kind of go back when I when I'm ready. Pardon me, but you know, right now it's like my income is divorced from my time and my energy for the most part, right? And so it doesn't require that brand. And and I do think and listen, there's nothing wrong with if somebody wants to brand themselves and be the face of the brand. I think that's amazing. You can do that. Um, but my philosophy, the lens of which I started to look at my own life, the way you know, I'm 49. I'll be 50 in November. Um, you know, I started to look at like my time, my energy, am I spending it or am I investing it? And back then I realized I was spending it a lot. I wasn't investing my energy. Um, mm -hmm. I had a conversation with some friends and, and actually a, a good friend of mine, ex-girlfriend, um, we were talking the other day and, you know, the one friend was saying, you know, well, or I was telling about a good friend of mine, son, who's doing like, you know, multiple six figures, but with a, a sticker business, like he sells stickers in, out in Colorado. Oh, wow. And a lot of people are like, oh, that's, that's crazy. Okay. And so I was telling her, you know, how much he made. And she's like, well, I mean, you do that. I'm like, well, I'm like, yeah, but he has a legit business. He can sell. Nobody's going to buy TonyTeagarden.com. Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, and, and I, so I, I'd have to go through a whole, you know, different shift of identity around what the brand is and all that sort of stuff. If that was my focus, fortunately, that's not really my focus. I have very different focus. So um, it, it's interesting. It's divorcing your identity from, from, what you think you're supposed to do, should do, ought do, or, or need to do. And that's what I did. I just divorced the two. <clears throat> you divorced the identity and then tried to, and then tried to build the brand, uh, not under your identity. Yeah. 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 Like I don't identify like my, my, my worth, my, my, I mean, and when I say worth, I mean, my self-worth and my, my net worth aren't determined on Tony Teagarden. Right. Um, I certainly have a reputation online and, and with my name and I've uh, been around a little while, but, you know, essentially what my goal is now is I want the focus to be on the handful of clients that I work with, with my done for you agency, 
that's where I want, I want them to be the stars. I don't need to be out mm. front anymore. My identity doesn't depend on that. I'm not going to go, Oh my God, who am I? You think that's stages of life? Oh, hundred percent. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's I, I why think I say there's also a conversation right. here. Yeah. I think there's also a conversation that's here is like, there's a point where you want to go be your identity, I think as well. Right. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I think that the call isn't, it's just from what I'm getting from you is like, that was the decision you wanted to make. It wasn't so much that, you know, yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. that um, you probably remember this pretty well. Um, you know, what was his name? God. Owner of uh, GoDaddy. Do you remember him? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because oh, what's his name? I can't think of it. I know. So that. he was one of the first. Oh, gosh, damn it. Anyways, he was he was one of the first guys that I saw. And a lot of people might not know this, but in the beginning, when GoDaddy started, he actually was the persona of the business. Mm-hmm. And he would write blog posts about his journeys riding motorcycles and going across the country and meeting people i think he's a military guy um but when he i'll never forget that kind of that story he divorced himself from Mm -hmm. godaddy as he started to like transition the company back into it and i thought that was pretty phenomenal because at that point he could actually sell godaddy because he wasn't selling himself but he used himself as the Mm -hmm. story connected to godaddy totally yeah, I yeah. believe um, I was talking with uh, someone the other day. I was telling uh, Telman Knutson, like, that's kind of what he's doing is, you know, helping people with uh, mascots for their businesses, you know, so that, I mean, the gecko, you know, like the lizard. You oh, know, yeah. You know, like all those sort of, like, if you look at that stuff, like it, it works. And, you know, and I think it's also, it's important, like you said, it's stages of life. It's where you're at. Like, you know, if you look at my history, like from at age seven, I went through a lot of child trauma. Mm. you know and so my core wound was i'm not important i'm not Boy, important i'm not i think important. a lot of a lot of entrepreneurs have that let's just say i can see i can see where that's possible let's just say mm-hmm. it that way that's because fair. here's what I, i've realized like i think there's a lot of complexity to human beings especially entrepreneurs and so the reason i'm bringing this up is like at seven i had you know i went through a lot of childhood trauma of you know and abuse and and then I have this identity of I'm not important. Well, hello. All of a sudden now I'm involved in all these things where look how important I am. I'm in violin. I'm important. Look at me on the stage and playing metal. I'm important. Look at me as a sales guy, you know, work in the room. I'm important. Right. And all of a sudden, when you start to realize like, dude, am I driving this thing or is it driving me? Mm. Right. Like that whole identity was driving me. Right rather than me driving my life at that point. That's when it was kind of like a big aha moment for me. It was like, whoa, like I've got all this stuff that's kind of driving my identity and, and what I think I need to do, should do, ought to do, supposed to do, because look at all these people. They're important. They're mm. getting all of this acknowledgement. They're getting all these comments on the blog. They're getting all of these mm. social media likes, right? Like all of a sudden you think that's what's important. It goes back to what I was saying earlier of like living an outside in life rather than inside out. Yeah, I think that, um, God, it's not an easy one to do, is it? <laughs> I mean, you know, it depends on, depends on our, our idea of easy, right? Like, I, I think it can be challenging. I think eventually, you know, like awareness, my good friend Janice says, you know, like awareness is the greatest agent of change. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times it's like, you know, we look at, I say we as in like I hear as a general populace, we look at what's wrong with our life and I go, well, where is it right? You know, like if I really wanted to deepen a sense of my stuff, like if I wanted to go all in on photography, I'm sure I know I could figure out how to monetize it and all that kind of stuff. Right. But would it still hold the same, you know, would it still hold that same level of sacredness to me if I'm sitting there constantly trying to push it? Like I've not tried to grow that account at all. It's just, everything is organic. 
because I just want it to be the place where it's like, look, this is, this is my happy place where I get to do this. I don't need to monetize everything I touch. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So, and, and guess what? It could take on a life of its own at some point down the road, but that's out of my hands right now. I don't, I'm not, I've got my, I'm my most valuable asset is my attention. So where am I going to invest that? Not spend it, but invest it. And I like to I also it. like, so, you know, you have your core business, but I think that what entrepreneurs is like, they always say, don't split, you know, you can only serve one God or whatever, however you want to call mm-hmm. that, if, like your business, mm-hmm. right? One yeah. guy was like, you can only be one gangster that was on the show. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> and he's, you know, you're not running two gangs, you know? So yeah. in that, um, one thing that I've done through my life is I drop pebbles though. Like, so mm-hmm. for example, you know, building this business of moved, I, I, as we started to kind of build, I'm like, if I start the podcast, it's like a pebble that just kind of keeps going and then it's growing. And then eventually that thing that you don't, you, you put it into focus, you play it out and you just kind of move one needle forward. So it's like, almost like there's other parts of your life that you're kind of like building a castle, but it's just kind of slow, just yep. chill. And then there comes a time when all of a sudden, let's say you've built whatever that account is for photography or whatever, at least you have a baseline. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, that's a great point. Yeah. I just decide, you know, if that's something I want to, you know, set my intentions on or focus my energy on, that's fine. But I also like right now I look at, I have a lot of free time, a lot of energy to do things, what I want, when I want, who who I want. I don't have to answer to anybody. Um, You know, today was, you know, probably about an hour and a half of work and then it was pool time and then reading and, you know, um, showering, getting ready for this. You know, it's like, I I'm one of those weirdos that I, I like, pool time. I like the beach. Like I like doing stuff. It's not in front of my computer unless I'm like, I've, I've set the intention of like, okay, there's something I want to do. And usually it's something right now. What has really happened over the past year is just only focusing on what brings me joy. And I learned that from my mentor, Travis Sago of like, you know, like spend your time on focused on what brings you joy. And like, you're just saying about the pebble in the pond, that is the pebble in the pond. When you focus on only what gives you joy, Mm-hmm. And, and then outsource everything else. Um, you know, like uh, Dan Sullivan, his new book that he did, um, you know, I think it's uh, the, the who the who book, like get who done, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, you know, that all that stuff that completely works, you know, but it's a transition. Um, it's like, you know, every, I think every new stage of entrepreneurialism, you're learning how to walk again, <laughs> you know, in that particular arena in that particular area. And sometimes people want to take on the role of CEO, some people want to take on the role of coach. Some people want to take on the boat, the, uh, the role of, of the business owner. And, and I've been fortunate enough to, to be inside of a lot of these types of businesses at all mm-hmm. different levels. And they're complex. Um, from some, from a standpoint, I say just because of we're as human beings, we're complex. And so I tend not to throw out too much judgment about what I'm, what people should do, ought to do. It's like, Hey, what do you want? Okay. What's the constraint that you're experiencing? What's, and then in my mind, I'm asking, what's the assumption that they're making? about how it needs to be fixed. And most of the time that assumption is wrong. So, and you use that formula on when you tend to go into uh, a, a, any, any program or not program, but any, any, any problem you're trying to solve. Yeah. Like any, any, any relationship where, cause that's, let's face it. I'm in a business where people have problems and I want to build a relationship to see if I can, if I can actually help them with it. And if I can't, mm-hmm. I'm going to back out. And if I can, I will, you know, it's that simple. What do you, what do you think is going to, um, because we are during this, uh, we're kind of at the cusp of everybody kind of knows we're going to be going into some tougher times. Mm-hmm. Um, there, yeah, we can get into, uh, why that's happening, but let's just, sure. Yeah. We'll, we'll blow over that one. I, I, I mean, I think, I think we're definitely stabbing ourselves in the eye. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's fix ourselves. Right. Right. 
But one thing I think that um, because of experience is a good conversation with you. And because I, I look back and one of the things that you brought up a few years back and you're like, our live webinars dead. And one of the things that you went through, through episodes talking about profitability and things like that. Mm -hmm. But and my question in conversation would be, what are some of the things that you think are going to happen um, as the wallets maybe tighten up? And I'm not trying to throw that out there that you don't just go get business. Yeah. But there's some things that are going to happen. And, and I was curious in this conversation with you in, in your past, do you think we're going to go more towards like small or low ticket? Do you, do you think high tech is going to get affected? Do you think um, more of the automation is going to get tightened up? People buy automations. What, what are your kind of feelers on what you're seeing out there? Well, I wish I could take credit for this nugget of wisdom. I'm going to, I'm going to drop here, but um, my mentor, Travis. I'll give it to you. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Right. My mentor Travis Sago said this back when in when um, when COVID was going down, like the height of it, you know, everybody was losing their minds. And, and we finally being in the mastermind with him and, you know, we all kind of asked and he finally he just acted like it was everyday business to him. And I remembered, his, you know, saying, you know what, because we finally cornered, he, he brought it up. He's like, you know what? In good times, I do my best to be useful in bad times. I really try to be useful. Mm. Right. And I was just like, yeah, we've been stressed out for nothing. Right. So do I think there's going to be changes? Do I think things are going to get, you know, they could, and I am no business mathematician, futuristic kind of individual. I can tell you what's going to happen there, but what I do know is people are going to continue to have problems and they're going to continue to invest in, in getting those problems solved. As long as we're focused on, present problems that bring a present pain that absolutely needs to be solved. And so as long as there's problems, I'm going to be useful because I'm going to continue to, to, to solve those. So I'm not really wrapped up in, although I do sell a lot of high ticket stuff and most all of my done for you clients, um, I do high ticket stuff uh, that we, that we sell and we don't use webinars or Facebook ads or sales calls or any of that stuff. We close everything with a Google doc and chat. That's it. So there's an efficiency that I think is going to happen. And I think, as we continue to go through this next year, maybe two, um, the people that are inefficient are either going to be able to stay afloat or they're not. Mm -hmm. The people who are focused on really solving present moment pain problems are either going to survive or they won't. Right. Um, I think, you know, I just got through um, doing two clients that, uh, that had smaller ticket items. We did like $47,000 with one. Uh, we did about 60,000 with the other low ticket stuff. And, and all we used was email and a Google doc. So if I can continue to solve problems in that, in that manner for her or for them, for these two ladies that I did it with, and they can continue to be effective and efficient uh, in the way that they're solving problems for their people, then it'll be like, for me, it'll be like 2008 again. I didn't even know there was a problem in 2008. Why? Because I was selling legal insurance. Right. Mm -hmm. And it was that, you know, and, and it was a proactive stance, not a reactive stance that I was selling from. It's not like you had to wait till something bad happened. I'm like, why do you think wealthy people use attorneys all the time before they sign anything? It's so they don't make dumb decisions. Right. Yeah. And so when I found that I'm serving and helping and, and, you know, and solving problems for people in a proactive way, I, I didn't experience any financial issues or setbacks. And I was a homeowner then and, and all that such, and, but I didn't experience any of it because I just didn't pay attention to that. My focus was on solving problems for people in the most effective and efficient way possible using my natural given talents. As long as I kept that the focus, I think 
And just like the 2000, after the pandemic, like right during the pandemic, I was making some of the biggest money ever Mm -hmm. because that was my focus. How can I be effective? How can I be helpful in the most efficient manner possible? So, you know, it's interesting. Elon Musk actually brought that up on something and he just said, you know, what is the best thing you could do? And he says, be useful. Yes. Yeah. You know, he trips me. I mean, obviously his top subject, you know, Elon Musk is being talked sure, about, but sure. he's such a crazy guy. Like he just, he, what did he say? He said something like the problem was that we got a bunch of engineers that think that they're right. <laughs> I was like, isn't that what they're supposed to do? <laughs> yeah. But he's, just, you know, he, he's questioning everything, you everything, know? everything. The dude has a lay of the battlefield that none of us have had. Like you think about like, why is a general so, so effective? It's because they already know what the lay of the battlefield is. They've been mm-hmm. through multiple battles. They know these things, you know, and then it goes back to this thing where we opened up the conversation about Einstein saying imagination is more important than knowledge. Mm-hmm. Right. Like think about Elon, like his imagination, like in, in such, like we're going to Mars, like that took a little bit of imagination because we certainly didn't have any data that we could get it done. Right. So that dude is an anomaly. And go Elon. That's all I can say. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got it. You know, it's, it, it's kind of frustrating, even as an entrepreneur, see like, how did he, I mean, we're all, I got two arms, I got two legs, I got, I got yeah. a head. You know? I'm kind of thinking, I'm just like, man, how you, how you, how are you pulling this? I mean, he's the chief engineer of the yeah. rocket. Yeah. Yeah, he walked in and he said, there's no one in here good enough. I'll do it myself. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the dude's a monster. I mean, you know, you know, and I think too, it's interesting. A lot of I use in my marketing um, is, is, you know, busting the assumptions that people make. And I notice, like in a lot of my, my friends, so my friends call me like the king of clarity and I hate the title, but it's just because like, I'm, you know, whenever I'm, I'm having conversations and I'm not their life coach, but I just, I know how to listen and, and be effective. And you know, most of the time people are making assumptions about what they can do, what they can't do, what's possible, what's not possible, how it needs to be done, how it can't be done. And I think that's the other big thing too. And I noticed with Elon, like he just busts the, I don't know if we can swear, but he busts the, the, the crap sure. out of, okay, good. Yeah. He's, he, you know, he just busts the shit out of assumptions everywhere. Mm-hmm. The assumptions, like you got to have all these guys that can do it that are smarter than you. No, I don't. <laughs> I can yeah. hear him saying it now, you know? Um, and I think the same thing is true for us in our businesses. You know, it's like, what assumptions are we making that, you know, it's kind of like me, like, imagine if I just said, well, you know, I have to be putting out content every month in order for me to make, you know, 50 to hundred grand a month. It's not true. Right. But I had to bust that assumption. I had to investigate that to ask myself, is that really true? Oh, there's a good line. I think that what you just tapped on is really important. You have to go down the line. Mm-hmm. And I think that like, even if we're talking about Elon Musk, he's like, he literally said, he, I think he said, like, I had a 10% chance of not going bankrupt was his thought. Yeah, right. Right. And then he's, he basically goes, let's just go for it. And then he said, <clears throat> there's that acceptance of risk. And he's like, we're going to blow rockets up. Yeah. And I think that um, you probably can tie into some of this as well. But a lot of us entrepreneurs, um, we want to assume that you're not going to blow up any rockets. Yes. Yes. So a lot of people will get into business and they're like, okay, I see somebody that's doing this and they're going here and they're going there. And I think that one thing that people, you have to, you really have to forge some of it yourself. Mm -hmm. You have to feel it. 
you know, yeah. so you have people that buy all these courses, you also, but you got to dig in and you got to feel it. If you don't feel it, you have no um, instinct. Yeah. You have no ex- instinct and you have no experience. <laughs> That's mm. the big piece too. Right. So I think you, you just, you just nailed it. Um, it's a great point is again, it goes back to identity. You know, people don't want to make mistakes because of number one, how they might think of themselves. Number two, more importantly, how other people will see them or how they think other people will see them. And so, you know, if you think again, we've been programmed coming up through school, like you can't get it wrong. You can't cheat on tests. And it's like, once you get into the real world and the entrepreneurial world, like, like you and I, for example, like we're back and forth here on a call, but you know, we might just as well have a call where we're like sharing insider secrets and you yeah. know, things working for you and where things, it's like, we're meant to collaborate. And the challenge is, is we are programmed just as human beings, at least here in the Western culture, um, that you can't, that failure is not acceptable. And so if you mess and they, people have mistaken what failure is like, you have to fail. I love how Elon Musk blew up some rockets. He knew he would yeah. because yeah. he's already had the experience. Like, you know what, you got to screw stuff up, but mm-hmm. you just, the whole thing is not to assign it a whole lot of meaning. And I think that's the big challenge. And that's, what's changed for me over the last couple of years is I stopped assigning meaning, assigning meaning. That's really good. Yeah. So it's like, because your identity does not attach to the project that you're on. And if you can do that, then you can blow shit up. You can have rockets, right? Like, right. And and like literally and figuratively, like that's what Elon is. He is not attached. He's a bit of a savant in in a lot of ways, but, um, but, but his, his identity is not attached. He doesn't assign any meaning to things that go wrong. Um, quote unquote, you know, it's just like, there's no such thing as good or bad. It's either useful or it's unuseful. Right. You know, it's like, and you got to be really good at that. I mean, you think at the level and if, if you were to like use that conversation and you're like, okay, let's look at like a barometer of how much you have to do that compared to he has to do that. He's yeah. literally saying, I'm going to build a car company and you have to accept that people are going to die building cars. Yeah. And right. he has to disattach himself from thinking for us to evolve as a society or whatever, people are going to have to die. And it's like, mm-hmm that level of um, bringing it down to an entrepreneur, that's probably not going to happen in your business. Well, you have to allow some of your identity to a die for sure. And that's probably more scary and painful than even the thought of someone else dying, you know, as a result. Um, And that's where, you know, someone like an Elon, I can only imagine, I I can't, you know, I can only guess that, you know, that dude is detached. You know, again, I look at him as a bit of a savant. There's a lot of like emotional stuff that ain't going on in the right direction there with him. Mm-hmm. Um, there's an, again, there's a natural consequence for his genius, right? And it's not that it's good or bad. It's just, is it useful or is it unuseful, right? If you look at his personal relationships, intimate relationships, it doesn't seem to be terribly useful. No. But, but again, I'm not here to judge that only, uh, only in the sense that like, you know, I would value myself having, you know, family and, and quality time. So my, 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 my intentions, my focus are just different. doesn't make mm-hmm. me any quote unquote, doesn't make me good. doesn't make me bad. I just don't compare myself much less assigning a whole lot of meaning anymore. So what's one exercise? Like I'm always into like, what's one way of like, okay. Cause you know, it's so easy for us to get into like philosophical things. Like some people like get into like, you know, I've talked to people about copy and I'm like, you know, if you do copy, if you go over here, do that. Okay. Well, what's some examples? Don't just talk about it. Right. 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 And in that, it, it would be interesting to hear like, what would be something that would in your brain that you can maybe use to detach yourself from that? You know, so, I mean, I've done a lot of stuff. I mean, I've done everything from shadow work to breath work. I've done ayahuasca, mushrooms, you know, like 
all of these different things over the years to, to try to get to the seed of. And what I realized is the minute that I'm okay with not being okay all the time, I'll be okay. That's the practice. And I know it sounds woo woo. It sounds this, that, and the other. Um, and yes, I still have Tony here that, you know, will be like, rah, 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 you're an idiot, you know, and then I'll have this idiot, you know, this, this Tony over here going to the other right side. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The whole yeah. angel. Right. The angel and the devil, you know, but the, the Tony that wants to tell me I'm not important, he's definitely always there. Um, you know, one, one really cool exercise I did years ago when I, my life was an absolute shit show. And this was after I went through divorce in 2005. And, um, and I remember writing down like on one side of the paper, cause our brains are hardwired to see all the shit that's wrong. It's easy to do. Right. So I wrote down all the things about my life that I like 10 things that I absolutely hated. And I use that. I don't use that word often, but at the time I hated about my life and I was able to go into excruciating detail on what those things were, what that was, what it looked like, what it sounded like, what it felt like, what it tasted like, what it smelled like. And then all I did was just reverse engineer those because I went into so much detail. It was easy to reverse engineer it to, okay, well, what would be the opposite of this? And would my, and is this in alignment with something I can see myself doing or being right more importantly. And within less than a year, I had flipped around nine out of those 10 things like day and night. Right. And I had done things like hired coaching and invested in people and, and stuff, you know, to help me get through all of that. Um, but that was one really, really helpful piece of it for me. But here's the, other, here's the key though. You, you just got to live into it, live into it. You have to live into it. I learned again, a lot of my philosophy, you know, is I'm not going to get it right out the gate. You know, it's mm -hmm. like, Oh, Tony, that sounds good. Yeah. Okay. You know, don't assign it meaning, dude, you're going to have to assign it some meaning and then deal with the natural consequences of it. And the, and the, the chaos that you might feel inside or the pain that you might feel inside and, and again, practicing your awareness. And so I'm a big, I'm a big fan of journaling every day. So I journal every mm -hmm. day. Sometimes it's nonsense. Sometimes it's like really profound shit that I wish, you know, would get out into the world. And, and yeah. sometimes it's like just acknowledging, Hey, it's okay to not be okay today. Yeah. Right. And so taking that very simple, like the more simple I keep it and the more I live into it, um, the more experience I gain, the more wisdom I'm able to have. And the more, um, the more altitude, this is another big key. It's like kind of like in relationships. If two people are at the same altitude, going in the same direction at the same speed, you're going to have a pretty cool opportunity to create something good, whether it's just a guy yeah. friendship, it's an intimate relationship. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. But, yeah. but, but think about like, I've got to gain altitude because if I'm at a real low altitude with my perspective, my lens of life, if it's, if, if, if the world is happening to me and not for me, and I do believe stuff is happening for me, not to me, right? Even when the shit hits the fan. Mm -hmm. And if I'm not, if I'm not looking through that lens, I'm not going to have very high altitude. And chances are my partner's probably not going to have much higher of an altitude. Or if they mm -hmm. do, they're going to be like, yeah, this doesn't vibe for me. We're not going in this, we're, we're not the same altitude. We're not going the same direction. We damn sure ain't going at the same speed. So, you know, for me, it's like practicing that stuff, like living into it and um, getting shit wrong and being okay with not being okay about it. Dude, this has been an awesome episode, man. <laughs> you crushed it, man. This is awesome. I think this episode, we're going to break it up a few different ways. You brought a lot of value here, man. I appreciate you. This has yeah. uh, been an awesome episode. Dude, how do they find you? Tony so, Teagarden, the man. You, yeah, so you can go to TonyTeagarden.com. The email list does work. I do send out emails um, on that list as well. Um, I like to figure out how I can help and serve. So go to TonyTeagarden.com for that. Um, you can also go, uh, on, uh, uh, Facebook. I use my personal Facebook, Tony T garden on there. If you find me, 
I, I use that quite a bit as well. Um, and then if you want to see any of the photography stuff and, and silliness, you can go to Instagram.com forward slash Tony T garden as well. And that's just my chill, like little creative place that you can hang out with me there. So that's pretty much it. Tony, you've been awesome. I appreciate you being a guest on the Moved Entrepreneur Evolved podcast. Thanks a lot. And for everybody else here as well, go back and look at other episodes. We brought up Jason Moffat today. There's other awesome episodes on the Moved Entrepreneur Evolved podcast. Thanks a lot, brother. I appreciate you. Thanks, brother. If you like this episode, make sure you smash the like button and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Just like Nike is to athletes, Moved is to entrepreneurs.